Merry Christmas, everybody. It's just a couple days away. This is exciting. This is what we've been anticipating with our Christmas series, Anticipation. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to be reading from it and then speaking uh, from it. Uh, Luke chapter 2, we're going to be looking at the first 20 verses. If you have your Bible, your Bible app, whatever, uh, uh, you can follow along, or it will be on the uh, screen there for you. In those, days, Caesar, uh, uh, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that, that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Uh, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over uh, over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all uh, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Uh, if it be right, let me start with a prayer, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful, beautiful story that really is, is, uh, it contains the sermon all in, all in the story itself. Beautiful words of, of beautiful promise. Uh, Lord, please bless as we, we look at them now. Would you give us a fresh touch of your spirit. Would you speak to each of us, wherever we're at on our spiritual journey? We long to be touched by you. Um, so would you be here and uh, uh, guide us as we uh, look at your, your scripture, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, uh, Merry Christmas, current family. It is so great, you know, with so many regulars away that we can celebrate today. Thank you again to the teams who set up. Uh, I came in and saw this wood uh, 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 structure. I don't know what we call it. But this is wonderful. I mean, this is, must have taken a labor of love, I'm guessing. Um, Chris, who put it together, um, our resident, uh, uh, what do you, oh man, a carpenter apparently, he said even on the last hit, he hit his thumb. So that was a labor of love. Um, so thank you guys, team. I know with the band and all the Christmas songs that are especially like note-ridden, all that sort of stuff, and then the extra songs, thank you guys. I know a lot of you delayed travel uh, so you could be here today, so you could set the table so that we could worship today. So that many who uh, would be visiting today uh, could could uh, participate and really enjoy the day, uh, and to you who 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 may be visit, visiting today, uh, we want to say especially uh, welcome to you. We're so glad you could visit. We hope that you'll come back and join us in the new year, January sixth. Um, but today we are concluding our Christmas series of anticipation, where we've been anticipating the beautiful yet subversive message 
of the true Christmas story. We've been talking about how it's subversive, you know, this idea that it's upside down. It's not what we would expect. Uh, it definitely is beautiful, but, but the message behind the true Christmas is subversive. It's not what all the nativity scenes or the Christmas carols that come up on the radio would necessarily lead us to believe. There's so much more going on that we wouldn't necessarily expect. Uh, so, for instance, the last few weeks, we've looked at uh, Mary's song, where she saw, sang about Christmas and the beauty and love surrounding the Christmas message, but also about how Christmas ultimately is about justice and how it's about bringing God's justice into an unjust world, uh, laying low the, the, the rulers, uh, bringing uh, the proud uh, to be humble. And then last week, we looked at Simeon's song, which we actually sang about today. I love that. Uh, where we talked about how Christmas, yes, is about peace, but it's a peace that comes through conflict. It's a peace that enters in through discomfort. It comes into our lives through pain often. Um, so you, you can check out those Christmas messages online. But today, uh, we're looking at the most famous of all Christmas texts, uh, one of the most famous, if not the most famous text of the Bible, uh, Luke's account of the Christmas story. And we see here this subversive thought. Uh, in this text, that Christmas is about peace, but it's not just a peace that's going to come, you know, off in the distant future. That's what really hit me this week is, is this peace that is promised at Christmas. It's not just like some promised land out there that, hey, hopefully someday we'll get to uh, participate in and really enjoy. I think a lot of folks looking into the Christmas, uh, looking into the Christian faith, or maybe even you, if you're a follower of his, experiencing the Christmas faith, can sometimes, at least at the heart level, if not at the, in, at the, in, at the mind level, say, you know what, really the faith is something that's to come. And so let's just gird ourselves up towards what is coming. But the beautiful thing about Christmas is to be sure it is a promise of peace that's coming, and it's going to be wonderful, but that peace is available here and now, um, not just off in the future. You see that here in a couple of places. So, for instance, you see in verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and then most striking in verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven, the angels sing, and on earth peace to, whom, uh, to, to those on whom his favor rests. So, peace is not just some promised land off in the future, peace is available to us here and now. Uh, to press this home maybe at the heart level a little bit, are any of you experiencing in your life a lack of peace? You know, I imagine many of us would say to that, David, you know, if anything, there's more a lack of a peace in my life. There's more lack of peace out there in the world. What about that? What about the lack of peace in my life? What about the lack of peace in the world? What about the brokenness that's around us? Well, that's where we jump in, uh, as we see this Christmas story speaks into this very thought. Uh, what we see here in the first few verses is Jesus entered into our brokenness. Um, one of the questions I get, if not more than any other as a, as a pastor, is the question, how could a good God allow pain and suffering? How could a good God allow all the brokenness we see in the world? And there's a lot we could say in response to that and speak into that. But what we see here in the Christmas story is something it definitely couldn't be because, okay? So the brokenness in the world, the Christmas shows us that the brokenness in the world can't be because God doesn't care. You following me there? God cares. The whole story of Christmas is God, the Son, entered into our brokenness. And not in just sort of like, you know, dip his toes into the water sort of way. No, we're talking head first plunging 
into the depths of our brokenness. That's what the Christmas story is all about. Here and the other accounts, so for instance, in Matthew's account, uh, Jesus is born into uh, genocide. Uh, all around his, his birth, you know, in Bethlehem and in the surrounding area, there was genocide that, that, was, that, that started to happen because of uh, King Herod uh, worried about this prophesied uh, son of God coming. We hear a lot today about refugees from war, persecution, and oppression. Jesus himself was a refugee. Jesus himself was driven out of his homeland, his family on the run for their lives. Uh, That's brokenness that he entered into. And then we've been talking about this the past few weeks. Again, it's here in this text. Jesus' birth was marked with scandal. It talks about how how, how Mary and Joseph were expecting child, and yet they were not yet, they were engaged to be married. They were essentially having this this virgin birth out of wedlock, which to say they would have been the talk of the town back then would be put it grossly, uh, uh, would grossly understate it. Uh, these guys would have had uh, physical threats probably to their lives. I mean, it wasn't out of the question to people get uh, stoned for, for such things back then, adultery. But also their relationships would have just been all kinds of jacked up. Uh, because of this happening in their lives, this is what Jesus was born into. Not just he was born into this. His birth brought this about, brokenness. And then we see here in verse 4 that he was born into the town of Nazareth. Again, we've talked a little bit about this. Uh, he was, excuse me, he wasn't born into that. That's, that's where he'd be raised. For this Roman census, Joseph took Mary, and they went up to Bethlehem uh, for the Roman census. But it was in, it was in Nazareth that they, he would ultimately be raised after he came out of persecution and exile as, as a refugee. Uh, Nazareth was really no big deal back then. Uh, I, I did a deep dive into this a few weeks ago when we looked at this for, uh, briefly. Uh, the only thing remarkable about Nazareth is that it's unremarkable. In fact, one of Jesus' close disciples, upon seeing him and considering from the first time, this is in the book of John, said, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, you and I, we might not think very highly of this thought. You might think, what's the big deal? He came out of Nazareth, a small town. It's not, what does it matter? What, what's the big deal? But that would be our highly mobile, highly individualistic society uh, having that response because back then, where you were from was everything. It was your identity. It was who you are. And Jesus entered into a world where he was essentially a nobody, such that even his would-be disciple would start dogging on him from where he's from. And then, of course, uh, most famous of all, I think mo- most low-hanging fruit of all, is Jesus here, we see, was born into extreme poverty. I love this. Jesus wasn't born into middle class. I mean, he, he left the throne in heaven, you know, not to be born into upper class or even middle class. He went to the lowest of, he went to the low economy in a pre-modern society. Um, we see here that he was born into a manger, of course, a feeding trough for livestock. Uh, Jesus was born into brokenness. So the question then is why? Uh, This is one of the most amazing, mind-boggling thoughts to me about Jesus, about the story, but just uh, the Christmas story itself, but about Jesus in general, is that we learn God is not just some deity who sits up on his throne in heaven with, you know, uh, booming exhortation, you know, in your brokenness down there, deal with it. You know, suck it up. No, the Christmas story shows us that he entered into our brokenness to deal with it for us. That's the whole point. Uh, Today, in the town of David, verse 11, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. God came to save us from our brokenness. God came to give ultimate peace that is available here and now. How? 
Uh, how does this peace enter our lives? How is it available to us? Let's first consider how it's not available to us. Jesus being Savior never meant, for instance, political peace. Um, you know, as much as we today would long for political peace, I don't know about you, but whenever I look at my phone and my newsfeed, I'm just longing for political peace, even in our day. There's just so much going on there. But you know, as much as we might feel that way today, it wouldn't compare, it, like, it, it, would, it would be in the least bit of comparison to how they would have felt back then. I mean, this guy, Caesar Augustus, in the very first verse here, was a literal, actual tyrant. And, then the, the, and they were a people that was literally living under oppression. Um, but Jesus didn't come to bring salvation through political peace. That's not the peace he came to offer. That would be aiming too low. Uh, if, if, uh, it would have been nice for a time if that, if that political peace would have come. If we would have political peace, it would be nice for a time, but it could only be temporary. If that's what Jesus offered, then it would be here and gone. Next, uh, Jesus came to offer something so much better, so much longer term. Um, he didn't come to offer political peace, nor did he come to offer relational peace. That's not what it meant for him to save the world. Uh, this, too, is something we all want. You know, I think the sad reality is for many of us, when it comes to the holiday break, when we go back maybe to visit home or family or friends, old communities, we're reminded how there's a lot of lack of relational peace in our lives. Or maybe you don't even go because there's lack of relational peace. Um, it's hard. There's a lot of lack of relational peace, but this is not what Jesus came to offer. In fact, there's one really interesting text, almost humorous if you, if you think about it. Ten chapters later in the same book of Luke, Jesus says to the crowds, Do you think that I came to bring peace? I tell you, no, I didn't, but division. Wait a minute. And then he goes on to say, Yeah, because of me, father will turn against son, and son against father, and mother will turn against daughter, and daughter against mother. What's that all about? Jesus, didn't you come to bring peace? not relational peace, as wonderful as that would be, that too would be aiming too low because that ultimately would be only temporary. Jesus came to bring something far greater. Look at verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Well, how does his peace enter in? We just sang about it. I love it. In the Hark the Herald Angels Sing song, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. There it is. The answer is God has brought peace through reconciling us to himself through Jesus. For according to the Bible, the evil and brokenness of the world ultimately stems from ourselves, what the Bible would call sin, or maybe to think about it in, in, in this way, it's from the self-centeredness, the self-righteousness, the self-absorption of every human heart. We do not want to serve God or serve our neighbor. No, we want them to serve us. And boy, the more I think about this, the more I live life, the more I realize that this is so true of myself. As much as I would love to serve and care for and really do, believe me, want to serve and care for my wife, Cindy, the more I learn that I regularly and consistently look to my own needs first. My favorite articulation of this comes from the, God, the, the Apostle Paul in Romans 7. This guy who was literally martyred for living a life for others said, the things that I know I should be doing, I don't do. The things I know I should not be doing, I do. And then he concludes, who will save me from this wretched body? What a wretched man I am. Who will save me? And then he concludes, Romans 7, 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we see Jesus came to save us from ourselves, to save us from sin and death, to provide us ultimate peace, a, rec a reconciliation 
to God. That's what the cross is all about. Jesus came in the Christmas story to be born into a life of brokenness. And he lived a life of incredible brokenness, but on the cross he died a death of cosmic brokenness to bring us back into relationship with God. On the cross, he took on the sin and all the brokenness of the world upon himself. Here's how Peter wrote about it uh, later. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And so we see what's amazing about this peace is it's something that is so much more beautiful than political peace or relational peace, something that's temporary. In fact, the beauty of this peace is it's impervious to any life circumstance, including death itself. It is a peace that we can tap into and receive now, peace on earth. However, there's a catch. Uh, This peace isn't just made available to anybody, the angels tell us. Um, There's this wonderful catch of how we do receive it. Glory to God in the highest heaven, on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Um, Not just everybody gets this peace, so who does get this peace? Uh, In this story, we see that it was the shepherds, right? I mean, Mary and Joseph, of course, but there's a lot of uh, uh, text dedicated to these shepherds. I love the shepherds. I don't know about you. Uh, They're a lot. They're not the romanticized figures that we often make them out to be in the nativity scenes. Uh, I think I was joking about this a couple weeks ago. They would have been, first of all, really smelly, uh, really just the whole nine yards. They lived with sheep like all the time. It was, it was, but think of it this way, actually. It's, it's more than that. Shepherds were, were not a people of social standing uh, in, in the ancient societies. They were not educated. They had essentially no social power, and yet they got to witness the greatest concert ever. Have you ever like gone to an amazing concert? I went to... Um, in college, I went to a concert and spent what little money I didn't have to see Handel's Messiah. Have you ever seen that? It's really good. You know, the Hallelujah Chorus and all that sort of stuff. I went to see it, and I was in the, I was in the, I was in the nosebleeds. Like, me and the ceiling were, like, here. And I was just watching this, and it was amazing. And I kept thinking about it. I often still do this when I go to concerts and all that sort of thing. It's like, oh, man, it would be so cool to be one of those people way down there, you know, in the VIP section where you can actually see the facial expressions of the people on stage. Like, it would be awesome to be down People who are well-to-do and can afford that, that sort of thing. Uh, the shepherds had no business being in the front row of any concert, and yet they had Handel's Messiah original cast. You know what I'm saying? Like, the shepherds got that. And you just think about the statement that God was making in that moment. And it's just, you can't get your mind or your heart around that. Uh, who God has made this available to. Here's another thought that I just, this is, I'll bring you into my musings this week. I just, I was thinking about, okay, who was there and why were they there? And we'll come there, there in a second as the shepherds. Um, but who wasn't there, you know? Who didn't receive this message? Have you ever thought about that? We can't spend too much on time on this because it's conjecture. Okay, I want to stick to the word, okay? But what's not there? It, it's really interesting that, to me that there's no real religious figure represented. I mean, you can kind of make a case for the wise men, which, by the way, they're not ever there at the staple or the cave. I hope I'm not rocking your nativity scene world. But they actually show up, Matthew tells us, at the house. So they come like even what could be a year later or something like that. Anyways, but you think about like who is not there. There's no religious folks, which a lot of time, a lot of the the the, the criticism that'll be attacked uh, aimed at the Bible is that you know the church in the early centuries uh, put together the canon that we have and you know they cultivated these these stories. They put them together the way they wanted them so that they could retain power, all that sort of stuff. By the way, there's no historical 
record for that. Academically, a lot of people don't attack that way just because there's no, there's no founding for it. But a lot of people will say that. And it, what's interesting to me is even if, if that were the case, why would there be like a, a priest hanging out there? You know what I mean? Or like a, a monk saying, hey, I'm here. Isn't this awesome? If anything, I think it speaks more to what is actually happening for those who are there that they aren't. Okay, that's conjecture. Let's come back to who was there. Low-hanging fruit, the people who ultimately were there in front of, who got to be a part of this and received this peace were people who were readily, willingly available. People who just received. The shepherds had zero going for them as far as society goes. Zero going for them. Uh, and yet they got to receive this peace that was available. Why? Because they were humble. They said, you know what? I recognize it. I want to receive it. You know, I love this about the Christmas message. Jesus wasn't born into a great palace behind gated, you know, castle walls. Jesus wasn't even born in the inn. That didn't even work for him, behind like closed doors. He was born in a stable, maybe a cave, where there was no man-made obstruction or barriers to get to him. The shepherds literally just walked in. Hey, heard there's a baby. Can we check it out? I guess we can't kick you away. I just gave birth, and this dude, you know, it's like, how? You know, he's just that accessible. The shepherds just walked right in. And nor was the Savior coming. He didn't come in on, like, a huge stallion sword in his hand, you know, halo effect with aura around him. You know, if, if that had been the case, it'd be like, okay, he's not really approachable. He came as a baby, crying, delicate, fragile baby. Have you ever held a newborn? I'm not talking just any baby. I'm talking newborn. We've now been blessed to have two kids. The first two weeks, I'm freaking out. I don't want to, like, sneeze and, like, let the baby fall on the ground. I'm not overplaying this. It's, like, it's precious as it is scaring your face off. Like, it's just, it's amazing. And yet Jesus came as this, like, he was not running away from the shepherds. The shepherds had him right there, and they just come. That's how accessible Jesus was and is. He would later say, and this is from Revelation verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 20, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I love that. Jesus doesn't say I stand at the door with a battering ram. You know, I'm open up or else, or I'm going to force. He loves you too much. He respects the relationship he desires to have with you too much. What he will do is just tap, tap, tap. Will you have me? Will you open? Will you, will you receive me? So the question is, this peace that is available at your fingertips, at my fingertips, will you have it? Will you receive it? Will you open your heart to him? You can today. You see, at the end of the day, Christmas really is about gift giving. But the best part about Christmas is it's the gift of God giving. And he didn't just give a wonderful present under the tree, which I'm all about those presents. Um, not even the great present of something like political peace, which that would be amazing, or, or relational peace, which that would be amazing. He gave himself. He gave something infinitely greater, that we have peace, a reconciled relationship with God made available to us today. But let me ask you, if, if you have received him, are you experiencing this peace today? Are you, are you experiencing it? Because this is a promise that's not just off in the future, some distance, hey, it'll be available to you, you know, by and by, just wait for it. No, it's a peace available today. And by the way, not just a peace where you just need to slap a smile on your face and grit through and just pretend. No, a peace that's available to you. 
I had a, I had a wonderful conversation with someone last week. Last week, we had a, you know, a message that was, was meaty, you know, peace through conflict. And I was talking to someone uh, last week, and they were sharing how they were going through some stuff that was really, really hard. I, I won't go into all the details, um, but basically a relationship uh, that, that was very, very meaningful to this person had been kind of taken away from her. And it's just really, really hard. If I went into any of the details, you're just like, my goodness, that's rough. And so she came up to me. She said, man, there's this, I'm just working through this. Um, would, you, would you pray? Um, tears coming around down her eyes. Soon tears come down my eyes. That's kind of the scene we were. Um, all this horrible, th- terrible things that she's processing, she's working through, tears coming around her eyes, and then she has this big, beaming smile on her face. And says, you know what? But God's got me in this. He's going to take care of me. It's what you're talking about today. He's got, I've got this peace. And there was this big smile through tears of joy. And I'm sitting here, that's it. That's it. That's a beautiful picture of God's love. By the way, I just found out this morning that God answered that prayer, uh, that the relationship was restored. And that we're talking miracle. Um, so, but that, to me, okay, that's all just crazy amazing. But to me, that that little capture of, of tears down the face, but beaming smile, capture so perfectly God's love for us and what we're talking about today. Because it doesn't mean that life will be easy or all just straightforward and just slap a smile on your face. God doesn't just say, hey, deal with it. The gospel is, the Christmas message is God came to enter into our brokenness, brokenness and He cares. He doesn't want you just to wipe it away. From, he cares more than you care about it because He sent His Son to die on the cross for it. That's how much He cares. For you and me, which means we can bring our tears, we can wrestle through the pain of it, and yet at the same time draw our strength from the peace that he offers, right, available to us. But the question continues to be, will you receive it? Will you, like the shepherd, humble yourself and receive what God would give you? I'm speaking that to myself today, frankly. Uh, would you receive what God has made available to you? Because it's available here and now, a peace that transcends circumstance, a peace that transcends understanding. Uh, God's peace and favor rests on you if you would receive him and lean into him and trust him. Um, but it means like the shepherd, we need to, we need to receive. Um, last thought, and then we'll, we'll close. Last thought, I, I, just, I, wanna, I, I really want to make the shepherds like our model as a church family. I really want to make the shepherds our model as we look into the new year. If you look at these last few verses, after they've experienced this wonderful wonderful thing with the angels and then visiting the baby. It says, when they had seen him, that is the baby Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I love this because, uh, because of the shepherds and the example that they were. Look, Jesus, uh, God announced this wonderful news through angels. And that's amazing. He made a big statement saying, here's shepherds, here's this wonderful news. But then from there, he didn't continue to use angels. He started using people like the shepherds to, to share the news. That's another statement. And think of it this way. I didn't realize it until this week. Shepherds, because of their lack of social standing in society back then, actually were not allowed to testify in the court of law. If you've been around, does that sound like a theme to you? The resurrection came first to the women who also, by the way, sadly at that time, did, were not, did not have witness in a court of law. God uses people of his choosing, and he wants to make a, 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 a great of the message that he has to share about uh, his wonderful news in Jesus. He doesn't need amazing me- messengers. And by the way, 
It's not that the shepherds were great messengers. The point is, it's not about the messenger. It's about the message of Jesus. And he chooses to share it through those who would receive it and make it available. Have you ever felt intimidated about being a messenger? Compare yourself to the shepherd. Um, we need to share and, and get out this news. And here's the other thing I love about this. The shepherds didn't go off and start doing Bible thumping. Hey, read the Old Testament scroll, everybody. Jesus was coming. Go, you know, judgmental thoughts, you know, drive-by guiltings. That's not what they did. They just shared the wonderful news that was made available to them, which I'll tell you, if, if you've been around current, you know that that resonates with what we're trying to do here. So, guys, as you go back or, or as you celebrate even here, either with your family or friends or whatever, there's just wonderful opportunity in the next few days, isn't there, to just share the good news, the joy of what God's given us. It doesn't have to be the crazy Bible. You don't have to be a great theologian unpacking theological truths. You don't have to do that. Just share the joy, the peace that God has readily made available to you. Um, the Christus, the subversive gift of God is that he gave the greatest gift of all himself. So will you receive it? And if you have, will you offer it to others? Let's pray.